welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen. Back with Cameron Christensen and Tim, I think I can speak every language, Cox. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. This probably should be concerning given that Tim is actually a language teacher. Um, so we must question some amount of the Spanish that he teaches his students. I've been determined highly qualified by the public school system. <laughs> that, that should be a sh- that should be a t shirt. <laughs> I think Tim's teaching style is very much like the latest episode of The Mandalorian with the droid teaching the, the children. Oh, I, that I would probably be funny if I had seen that. <laughs> but it sounds, uh, sounds like I could learn some pointers. Just imagine C-3PO teaching a class. All right. Um, Okay. So getting it. So uh, the reference to language here today, we're going to discuss briefly here uh, Suriname. And that's um, a language, a a country rich in languages. Uh, So I'm going to talk a little bit about the culture and um, languages of Suriname. Uh, I lived in Suriname for two years doing some church service uh, about, oh, it's been quite a while ago now. What is it? Um, 12 to 13 years ago. Um, that sounds no, 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 13, 14 to 15 years ago. It's been that's been a while, but I uh, still communicate frequently with people in Suriname and I had quite the experience there. Uh, so I wanted to uh, educate the public a little bit about Suriname. It's one of the uh, probably least known countries, uh, at least in the uh, in the Americas. Um, generally, if I tell people that I lived in Suriname for a while, they said how they asked me how Africa is doing. Um, and it turns out Africa has no country called Suriname. That's something else. Suriname is in the on the north coast of South America, north of Brazil, on the Caribbean coast, between, uh, sandwiched between Guyana and French Guyana. Uh, it is a country about the size of the state of Georgia. French Guinea, right? No. No. What? No. Uh, I think they like guinea pigs there. Oh, yes, guinea pigs. Okay, so uh, Guyana on the uh, the west side of Suriname, English-speaking country. Um, Suriname, uh, formerly a Dutch colony, has now been independent for some 43 years, I believe, somewhere around that. Um, is that right? No, thir- yeah, 43 years. And... Um, and then on the uh, east of Suriname is French Guyana, so uh, which is uh, still a part of uh, France. So uh, Suriname is very unique in that um, it is a Dutch-speaking country uh, in the Americas, in South America, where uh, still the predominant language taught at schools is Dutch. Uh, there are obviously also taught uh, English. Uh, however, Dutch is not truly the lingua franca of, of Suriname, lingua franca meaning language of communication. So the language of communication in Suriname is a uh, language called Suranantongo or Surinamese, or if you want to, uh, what they call it often there in Suriname, or at least by people visiting Surin- Suriname, is Taki Taki. Um, and so it is a Creole language. Um Let's see. Uh, what questions do Tim and Cameron have about Suriname that I could answer? 
I have heard, not sure if it's been verified or not, that Hut Ease is um, related to what they speak in Suriname. Oh, this is the language of Jabba the Hut, right? Yes. Right. We also, me and my fellow um, service missionaries there in uh, Suriname, had the same idea. <laughs> and we thoroughly debunked it. Um, if uh, George Lucas ever thought he based Hut Ease or whatever on, on Swanantongo, he must have used a word or two. Uh, we listened very closely, and there is very um, there's nothing intelligible, uh, at least not from Swanantongo. So, so Han Miboki is not Swanantongo. <laughs> no. No, it is not. Uh, tragically, I wish it were. Because if I could tell people that I spoke Jabba the Hutt's language, I feel like I'd gain a whole new level of respect. <laughs> I, I think you should just say you do. Just go, and then start speaking some Suran and Togo. People won't know the difference. That's what you do with uh, with uh, Wookiee, right, Tim? <laughs> yes. Well, then it's a higher, no, no, it's a shriller. Never mind. Anyways, it's hard to explain. Okay. Do you have questions? Garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm certainly not going to ask any leading questions because I've never talked with you about uh, Suriname before. But what um, what cultures and ethnicities are a part of Suriname? I'll bet it's just one culture and one ethnicity. You know because. That's how South America is. It's a monolith. That's right. It's exactly. It's completely made up of. No, it's not. Um, it is a very interesting mix of uh, lots of different cultures, and and we'd have to go into a history lesson to to talk all about the cultures that, that and how they got there. But I'll give you a little sampling of what uh, it looks like. So I lived in a few places in Suriname while I was there. Um, the first place I lived in was fully Javanese. So there's a large contingent of Javanese, so Indonesian uh, from Java, Javanese people, um, and they've imported their culture. They a lot of people still speak Javanese, uh, and a lot uh, mo almost exclusively Muslim. The area I lived in to begin with was a area where they'd come over the loudspeaker in the village. Uh, five is it five times a day? Forgive me on my my ignorance, but I believe it's five times a day. It's been a while now, um, and do the uh, this the prayers over the loudspeaker. Um, and, oh, uh, and also French Guiana, French Guinea as well. It's, uh, okay. Well, not the natives. Tim. Bitter about being proven wrong. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, there's Javanese people, Muslim by and large. Um, so then there's the uh, quick question. The, quick question. Would the Javanese yeah. people would they consider themselves Indonesians or Javanese? So I only ever heard them refer to themselves as Javanese. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the yeah, I, I could of course be wrong, but in my anecdotal experience, all experience, uh, experience, all the people that I met, um, all referred to themselves as Javanese. So. Yeah, um, not not Java the Hut. Any? No. No, Tim. No. Okay. Uh, all right. Just uh, the other group, uh, a couple other groups. So there's a um, Indian or Hindu, Hindustani group. So from from India, um, 
And they uh, also, once again, these people have all largely uh, come over in the last 100 years or 200 years. And so the culture is still pretty strong. So uh, these people are, are Hindu, by and large, um, th these uh, Hindustani or Indian people from India. Uh, and so they are um, Hindustani. They have their um, their culture, the language and the religion that have all kind of imported with them as well. Um, there are areas that are very strongly just Hindustani, uh, Hindi, Hindu in, in Suriname, lots of Hindu temples, lots of Hindu uh, uh, worship areas in people's yards with the flags and, and uh, altars and those types of things. So uh, once again, very strong culture there. Um, then there's the uh, the Creole the Creole people. These are would be the, the people imported as slaves, uh, black Creoles, and they. Um, uh they have are large by and large christian they've uh, adopted that and they're um I'd say they're they're um, far more along the lines of uh having what's i guess most uniquely a uh, a suriname culture um uh, not necessarily there's some probably some african influence there they still have there's still some um some influence there but uh, they have probably what's more just a purely Suriname culture that they uh, that they have, and then the Maroon people, and those are like uh, also black people, uh, but um, that live more uh, down in, in the interior of Suriname. They have their own language as well, and um, uh, and that that's a good percentage of people. I didn't interact with them as much. They are more isolated. Um, and a large group of Chinese people in Suriname. Chinese people run the economy in Suriname, largely, at least at least the merchant economy. So a lot of uh, almost all stores are owned by Chinese um, and run by Chinese people. So um, and once again, uh, these people, by and large, all speak their mother tongue. Um, so the lingua franca, once again, the Surinam, uh, Surinamese or Surinamantongo is the language all these people use to communicate. Uh, if they've been educated in Suriname, they speak Dutch. Uh, otherwise, they communicate with Surinamantongo and then at home often speak their mother tongue, their uh, Japanese, Hindi, um, Maroon people speak uh, um, Surinamakans, which is uh, more of a, a Portuguese-influenced uh, Creole language. Um, Did you say that's the interior language? The yes, yep. Okay. So, and then obviously there's going to be some some Native Amer there's a, a large number of Native Americans there, people native to Suriname, obviously, and uh, um, I think that's about it as far as um, European um, influence. Europe, well, it's quite a bit of European influence, but European people that live there still is very, very, very small contingent. Um, white people are just uh, less than, I believe, less than 1% of the population. Now, to be fair, the population of Suriname is very small. It's about half a million uh, in the whole country. So, And almost all of them live in Paramaribo. Uh, Paramaribo is the capital city. Um, but uh, what is amazing uh, between these Christians and the Hindus and the is Islam, uh, the Muslim people, they all get along quite well. Um, Surinams or Surinam, Surinamers are very proud of their uh, ability to get along with other cultures. There's one of their something they're very proud about. They will tell you very happily that there is a synagogue next next to a mosque in the in down, downtown, and um, they're very uh, very happy that everyone gets along very well 
And so, and that is what I experienced as well. And uh, so lots of different cultures and, and honestly, not a lot of mixing. There, there is some, there is some, and I'm sure that there's some degree of it I didn't get to experience as far as social, social pressures to not mix. But as far as how they mix in, in public, uh, it, they all do quite a, a pretty good job about being polite and being respectful of other people, other people's cultures, religions, and languages. Now is the mixing. So it, it, they, they interact well, but is there like, um, so is there mixing kind of social mixing, but each group retains its, its identity throughout generations or is it kind of, Families have their identity, but over time, the children, you know, intermarry and, you know, new cultures created or yes, I mean, more discrete communities re- retaining identity. So I think it's a natural process and I'm not a scholar in this area. And that's why we can do this um, podcast. Uh, but I, I believe it's probably a natural process that that, yeah, over time, eventually it does. The mixing is is. Uh, when when you're in contact, close contact, language change, I know, is a thing. And I imagine culture change is also a thing. Uh, however, having lived there, both in that, uh, said that first area where I lived, south of the capital city, where it was just a Muslim community, it stays pretty much a Muslim community. Um, uh, and there, uh, now in the main city, in Paramaribo, that's probably where you're going to get most of your mixing. Um, but by and large, the very well defined areas that are specifically for one ethnic group um and it's not policy based these aren't uh, jim crow style laws as far as i'm aware uh these are very much uh you know just people wanting cultures of their uh, that they're familiar with uh, around them uh, and so the uh yeah javanese people usually mix uh, socially with javanese people um and uh, the same with Hindustani and, and Creole, um, you know, black black people. So, um, but like I said, still very friendly. As a, a white American walking around down there, sometimes I was with uh, people from the Netherlands. Sometimes I with other Americans. Occasionally I was with people native to from, from Suriname. Uh, never felt well. Okay, mostly didn't feel. There, there is there is a couple stories here that would. Uh, refute my never um assertion there but i i I mostly felt very welcome um and uh, people were very open um though they did call me bush a lot um bush was our president george w bush um often you'd ride up or i rode a bike a lot or drive up or walk up and people would just start yelling bush so (laughs) yeah i i think it's interesting because i think from our american uh, experience we're we're used to the 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 whole melting pot idea that you know people assimilate into you know this kind of dominant culture and you know eventually your your grandparents or great grandparents speak a language that you didn't i think with a lot of americans that's the the norm but i wonder and uh you know i'll also note that I'm not an expert at this, but I'm just thinking offhand of times where cultures have mixed um, amicably and maintained yet maintained distinct identities. Um, I'm thinking of medieval Spain when it was under the rule of uh, of the of Muslims, but um, Muslim and Christian and Jewish 
communities retained their kind of religious and cultural identities, even as they mixed, exchanged ideas and languages bled into each other and so forth. So I, I, you know, imagine there's, you know, this is not a historic, an anomalous situation. Maybe it's more common than, you know, typical Westerner would be inclined to, to believe. Sure. Yeah. And like I said, I can't speak, uh, broad terms at least not accurately <laughs> but i can say from once again from anecdotal experience in suriname that um while they do a, a good job mixing I, I think some of it might be educational based honestly um the the ed- public education system in suriname while it's improving uh still has a ways to go um and so lack of, of kind of public education allows for families to assert kind of more of a strong hand over education and, and those types of things. And so they educate their children in their original culture, their culture, their language. Uh, and, and then just the, the play of, of the, the looseness of languages down there is, uh, you know, it's kind of expected that, that, you know, you speak well, three languages and uh, often at home, you speak a different language that that's not culturally uh, frowned upon. That's not, um that's very much expected um and so that this kind of pattern of being able to maintain kind of a, a particular culture from generation to generation seems like i said i'm, I'm sure over time it's it's uh moving away from that it's again just from via contact if nothing else but um but yeah they've like I said people have been there for 100 200 years and still strongly um identify with a particular culture or language religion You've talked about Creole. Um, why don't you give an explanation of what you mean by that and what what Creole means as far as culture and language? Yeah. When I so, think Creole, I think of uh, Southern American blacks with French influence. <laughs> right. Haitian Creole, the yeah, or, or Creole from Louisiana, those types of things. Uh, yeah. So, uh, a, so from the language point of view. Um, Creole is a particular language classification. It's not a specific language. It's actually a class of languages. And a Creole language is a language that has um, become its own independent language via process of... So first, you go from uh, contact languages needing to be able to communicate. So this is... uh, Take the history of Suriname. You've got lots of different cultures. You have the uh, English that originally were in charge of Suriname. Then it became uh, into Dutch rule. Uh, the slaves there had African, um, you know, lang- languages that they spoke, and then they're interacting with uh, lots of different cultures, uh, and so uh, they all need to be able to communicate, and and thus is born what's called a pidgin language. And a pidgin language, uh, pidgin, pidgin language, once again, is a classification of language. It's literally just uh, so first generation language, uh, contact language. And where pe- people can learn to communicate using a given set of words. There's not often function words. Um, in the, it's mostly just nouns, um, just uh, uh, enough to be able to get get through a, a conversation, be able to uh, communicate a particular idea. Not with um, n- not necessarily a language that you use for anything else. It's not a language you're going to go home and speak. Um, so that's a, to illustrate this, it's a, it's a poor illustration, but it's probably for a lot of people. It'll be the the best approximation of what a pigeon is. If you ever watch any old Westerns and you see cowboys and and Native Americans 
communicating using like a handful of, of words and kind of, you know, so, uh, you know, heap, you know, for meaning very, um, heap angry or something like that. It's, it's where words get kind of borrowed and kind of shoehorned into, into use in the, in a very lim- with a limited vocabulary in order to communicate basic ideas, you know, do business and, and so forth. Um, so if you, if you've heard that on old spaghetti westerns, that's, that's Hollywood's attempt to approximate a, a pigeon that, you know, spoken between, um, European settlers and, and natives, you know, in the, you know, in the early, earlier stages of, of American history. Is that? Yeah. Right, yeah. Help. I think that probably be a, a pretty, yeah. I mean, as far as what people have experience with, uh, at least in our, in our area in America. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's again, the general idea of a pigeon. Yeah. It's just practical language. Essentially. It's not a, a language that you uh, teach your children, but at some point when it becomes that, when children start acquiring it as their language, as their, as their lingua franca, as, as kids start using that language, uh, then you start moving more towards a Creole language. Uh, and, a, and so as soon as it becomes someone's L1 or, or first language, um, then, and, and they can, can communicate whole ideas, um, whole conversations are carried on in this language, not because they have to, but because they want to. Um, and it's got function and, and then it starts taking on a grammar and then it starts taking on, uh, all those other, uh, functions of, of a normal language. That's when we move into a Creole status. And so uh, now there, are, I'm sure, are other steps. Uh, and, and often pigeons are hardly ever uh, uh, written languages. Um, uh, Creoles often, at least in their early development, uh, are, are still pre, um, you know, pre, pre-literate languages. So these are, once again, just word of mouth, just children learn them. And then as they grow up, they t- teach their children, but they aren't necessarily writing in that language either because they were at the time illiterate or they have a, a language that they learn at school that they use. But uh, a Creole language eventually, and as it becomes formalized, once again, will become um Study, people study it and, and become and there are particular language rules that develop and then formalized in some type of uh, ortho, ortho, orthography um, and, and, and written language um, becoming literate is a part of it. So uh, Sonan Antongo does have a written version. There are not a lot of people that use that, though. Um, once again, interestingly, because Suriname's uh, only official language is Dutch. Uh, and while Sonantongo is the lingua, lingua franca of the streets, uh, Dutch is taught in school. Therefore, you don't need books in Sonantongo. And so while there are books published in Sonantongo, those are usually religious texts or, uh, you know, marketing things, um, not official government, um, you know, publications until recently. So uh, within mostly the last 15 to 20 years, Suriname's government's been embracing Sonantongo, uh, largely, I'd say, spearheaded by a man named Desi, ba- Desi Bautersa, <laughs> who, if you have any uh, familiarity with American, uh, you know, international uh, government and crime, <laughs> Desi Bautersa is a uh, international criminal. Um War crimes committed in a in a Suriname uh, war and in a uh, civil war from 
30, 40 years ago now. Um, convicted uh, of killing, executing, um, I don't know, a lar- somewhere between eight and 15 uh, people on, um, and uh, war, war other, I believe other war crimes as well, but um, Suriname refuses to, refuse to um, arrest him. Uh, their friend, Suriname has uh, always kept good relations with Venezuela and Cuba, <laughs> probably not your best uh, um, people to hang out with, uh, but uh, that's kind of their government scene. <laughs> uh, so Jesse Boucher, so if he ever went to the United States or uh, the Netherlands, or at least uh, the, at one point this was true, he'd be arrested. Um, he was then elected uh, to be president of Suriname about 15 years ago, uh, and he advocated strongly for the use of Suriname as like one of as the major language, the official language of Suriname. Uh, he spoke Dutch fine as well, but he was a very, very antagonistic toward the Dutch presence and, and Dutch influence in Suriname and wanted to only speak Suriname. He also very much disliked, um, like I said, anything European uh, very, very strongly. And I believe he was also pretty anti-American, if I remember correctly. Uh, he was president for a long time. <laughs> I believe he served as president for eight, ten years maybe more i believe he recently was ousted from power um so in my mind what was that does he have dutch ancestry like i don't i don't know honestly um i know that i said he he won an election um he he almost won an election while i was there uh while i lived there he he lost that one narrowly um he, he appeals to a particular part of the Surinamese population because he's very virulently anti-Dutch and very pro, you know, Suriname culture and that plays well. Um, but uh, the fact that he's a war criminal apparently doesn't bother a lot of them. So hmm. anyway, he, he uh, moved toward using more Suriname in, in government uh, applications, I believe. But um, anyway, that's a little bit about the Suriname uh, language. Um, I have a Bible in that language. I saw other publications in those languages, mostly marketing. Uh, but uh, the orthography, while well, it has been standardized, you know, the spelling of the, of the words has been standardized. Uh, the people that speak it don't know that. Um, so if you ask them to write words in Sonantongo, you'll, if you ask uh, for one word you can, from five different people, you'll get five different spellings. So. But just to just make it clear, the fact that a, a Creole isn't formalized in, in written form doesn't make it any less of a language or any less um, no. you, you can have a, a Creole language and once it's been started to be spoken by people as their native language it's going to be just as complex and full of a language as, as any language that's been spoken for for millennia yeah. right yeah it, it's interesting it does it has unique characteristics creole languages do they syntactically um but morphologically very simple so morphologically meaning that not a lot of conjugation going on uh syntactically the sonantongo at least is very much english-esque um but yes there are uh, there are grammar rules, right? There are things you can and cannot do. The language does have rules. It does, you know, there, like I said, I have a translation of the Bible. So um, clearly you can do what you need to do in order to uh, to, to speak. Uh, and it is a complete language. Once again, language that many children learn uh, is the L1 of many language of many, of many children in Suriname. So as soon as it's somebody's L1, meaning first language that it then 
has to serve those cognitive fu cognitive functions of, of a language. So, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's finish off here. I'm going to make this a short one, but just a, uh, one or two more facts about Suriname, and we'll we'll get out here. So, um, as I mentioned, the population is pretty small, uh, mostly centered uh, uh, by the coast. Now, if you think Caribbean coast, beautiful Suriname, let's go visit soon. Um, <laughs> I have bad news for you. Uh, Suriname being just north of Brazil, the uh, the Amazon runs off. Uh, into the uh, Caribbean, just south of Suriname, uh, just on the other side of French Guiana, uh, and the water around the coast of the Caribbean on Suriname is mud. Um, <laughs> I went to the coast once, didn't feel any need to go back. Uh, there was about a mile of mud before I saw any water. You can't even go out to the water because there is so much mud. Now, I, I think I went at low tide, maybe at high tide it comes in, but the water is murky and yucky and gross and the coast is, is not uh, not what you think when you think caribbean islands well it's not an island but. Ah, i just got a text from the suriname board of public relations they canceled our our sponsorship <laughs> well that's not to say there are not other nice things to do in suriname just not the coast coast isn't worth well th there might even be parts of the coast that i did not go to that are worth looking into but by and large it's like i said uh, unfortunately the amazon runoff is uh affects the ability to make it really nice uh but there are other areas that are a little more geared toward uh uh vacationers but um there's one main airport comes in the sondradi it's in the south uh, still, uh, it's more north central, I guess, actually, of uh, of Suriname. Um, but most of Suriname is Amazon rainforest, so it is gorgeous if you want to go see Amazon rainforest. I had the opportunity a couple times to go down, kind of more into central Suriname, and get to walk around and see, uh, well, see all variety of monkeys and uh, frogs and snakes. snakes. Oh yes, large anaconda. Um, Snakes, spiders, all sorts of oh, stuff, right? all kinds of spiders as well. Yeah, ones that would make your skin crawl. Um, so yeah, it's gorgeous though. I mean, truly uh, amazing uh, um, um, amount of just Amazon rainforest there. And uh, so the uh, there there have been some illegal logging, um, some issues there, but I believe the government has tamped down on at least some of that. Um, you, the United States, uh, one of the main employers of Suriname one of the I believe it's Suriname's main export is uh, aluminum um, so bauxite uh, is uh, mined there and Suralco or Suriname Aluminum Company is uh, an American owned company that employs I believe uh, has a lot of the the really good jobs in Suriname Suralco jobs and they they do the bauxite mining um, and uh, so we the, I believe the United States gives money to Suriname a lot in order to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about Suriname. Let's see. Um, that'll probably be good. Unless there are any other questions. Um, favorite seafood you had there. Favorite what? Seafood. Favorite <laughs> seafood. <laughs> I had some bad experiences with seafood. Um, <laughs> remember that time where I had my favorite seafood. I mean, there's some good fish there. Um, I imagine honestly, there's lots of rivers and stuff, so there's probably a variety of river fish that 
It's not yeah. common. Yep. Yep. I, I'm not a big seafood guy. At least I wasn't then. Um, so honestly, I can't comment too much on that. My favorite food, though, was uh, the West Indies has a particular variety of of uh, Indian food, uh, in, um, you know, Hindustani influenced Western Indian, so uh, Caribbean style food, and they have um, roti. And roti is an Indian dish. Uh, it is a little different in Suriname, though, and a little different in the West Indies. I had a little bit in, in Trinidad and Tobago that was similar. Um, a little flatter, a little chewier, um, but roti and and, uh, and um, curry chicken, curry uh, vegetables, amazing. So if you haven't, if you've tried it from India, if you've gone to an Indian uh, restaurant around you and had uh, naan or um, you know or a curry dish there it's kind of like that but it's a little different worth trying and if you're in america your best chance is either in florida or in new york um as far as a west indian uh, store guyana guyanese people that have moved to new york i have set up a few uh, stores also uh, washington dc i've been there that have a store there uh, or a, a restaurant there that's really good so anyway your, good question Tim? your favorite wood food Sure. <laughs> you've never uh, asked me this before tim i'm sure that you had no idea what i'm about to say okay I've... so one i <laughs> the um i i knew a um native american man there that was um very big into eating uh grubs uh the first area that i lived in in suriname was i had the most experience with with i guess more native culture uh, and, and there was a lot of bug eating, I won't lie. Um, and so I had the opportunity at one point to eat grubs fl- freshly picked from a fallen tree uh, and they were alive and they were, I don't know, let's say one inch, inch and a half long, maybe two of the big ones um, currently crawling around, little pinchers on their head. So the idea when you eat those is you pick them up, you you crush the head because you don't want the pincher active in your mouth, right? So you crush the head and you pop it in your mouth. And the best explanation I can give for a grub that those grubs that I had is uh, a maple maple flavored gusher. Um, you take a, a nice bite into it, explodes in your mouth. Tastes like maple. I mean, not maple. It's obviously not maple tree, but it tastes like tree. Uh, if you can get past, so the first experience. If, once again, if you have not eaten bugs before and you're and the bug explodes in your mouth, if you can get past the mental hurdle, it actually doesn't taste bad. However, the chewiness of the bug after that and the fact that it's still squirming slightly is slightly unappetizing. Um, but once you get it down, you're good to go. I do not, however, recommend the fried version i had them cooked as well same grubs same same man that i knew uh later um served them to us cooked i don't recommend lost a lot of the gusher you know flavor the excitement of having them explode in your mouth they were just kind of dry and tough so um if you're gonna eat your bugs eat them fresh i just threw up in my mouth It's worth trying. If you go to Suriname, can try some try some grubs. It's uh, it's a good time. There are other variety of bugs that uh, they eat there as well. I didn't actually get to sample those myself. Um, it's but, worth uh, trying. Twitter and Facebook just flagged that as under dispute. 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, Suriname, wonderful place, wonderful people. Um, if you have an interest in seeing a very unique culture in South America, getting to see a very linguistically diverse place uh, and have uh, some money to burn, because getting there is a little bit uh, expensive from the United States, um, though there are direct flights from, Hull, uh, from the Netherlands. So if you want to fly from the Netherlands to Suriname, you can do so direct, uh, because once again, that used to be a colony, so they still fly direct. Um, so, uh, but it is worth uh, giving it uh, giving it a run. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting, and that will uh, take us to the end. So, um, join us next time. We'll talk a little bit about traditions. Um, we've got uh, Thanksgiving coming up, uh, Christmas coming up, uh, lots of different religious holidays, um, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, traditions and uh, and join us then. 